Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? I'm doing well, but uh, I may need a priest to do an exorcism on the rest of my evening. We'll see, though. I doubt it. I, I've always thought of you as a captain, my captain. You know, one and all. <laughs> If if you couldn't tell by our uh, by the uh, the flounderings early, we're we're attempting to sneak in as many jokes as we can because this episode is one of our favorite ways to have just a little bit of fun. And we've already done the first half of this episode just a few weeks ago. We're finishing up the year 2011 with the history of comic book movies. My favorite, my favorite bit. Uh, well, maybe. Not. Uh, they're all my favorite bits, truthfully. I love talking to people. I love talking about the history of comic book movies. I don't know about you, Richard, but it just kind of gets me every time I get giddy. Well, one of the things about the movies that we're going to be going over here is that we're going into, let's call it the opening stretch, in a sense, of the MCU, like where it's really kind of getting into the groove for the MCU movies. And, you know, we've reviewed a lot of, movies later on right in the last few years so we watched all these movies we've watched them many times we like them all and there's other movies in here that we have watched too and we're 10 years old at this point which i can't believe that these movies 10 years ago so it's just a a, a nice exciting stretch run of movies to review i feel like oh yeah this is this is where things really really kind of ramp up in a way that hasn't been present for this genre anyway this genre of film but uh as always we'll give you just a little reminder of what this means when we're talking about a comic book movie we're talking about a movie based upon a comic book and it must have been a comic book first that can be through technicality because there are films like dr giggles who had a comic book made at the same time as the film and it was released one month i think before the film came out so technically comic book movie but there are others where you would think oh that was a comic book movie we had gi joe that came out well, yeah, there were comics, but before there were comics, there was the television show. So it must have originated with a comic or at least a comic adaptation of a piece of literature. There was no audiovisual element to it past reading the written word. Uh, and of course, we will be basically ignoring uh, comic strip movies uh, as that's a slightly different category depending upon who you talk to. But uh, just for the sake of time, if we included the comic strip movies, we still would not be into the probably even 1950s at this point. There be some Dick Tracy in there. Yeah, there's quite a lot of Dick Tracy, but uh, yeah, that's neither here nor there. So let's let's start at the beginning. I always like to start these things simply. Um, we have seen a lot of movies between the two of us, um, but not every movie, not even every comic book related movie. Uh, I do my best, but uh, th there are limits to my uh, free time. <laughs> so I figured we would start uh, with a couple, at least I know that I haven't seen. Um, I don't know about you, Richard. Have you seen either of the first two that we're going to discuss? I have seen one of them. Oh, excellent. I'm going to guess it's the second one. So we're going to... Right. <laughs> We're going to start with the one that neither of us have seen. Now, in uh, 2011, um, 
Now, this particular film is based on a comic uh, that actually came out in 2004. Uh, IDW Publishing did it, uh, and the, uh, the people that worked on it were Kieran Dwyer and Steve Niles. The name of the comic is the same as the name of the movie, and that is called Remains. It is a zombie film, which, you know, generally a lot of fun. You don't have to have a whole lot of science behind it to just have a, a good gore fest, but this uh, seems to have a certain amount of uh, Wild West elements to it as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's a nice... Uh, it's a nice slight alteration to, to the formula, right? We hope. <laughs> yes, question mark. Uh, it's, from what I'm seeing here, it's not rated. So if that gives you any indication, if it was uh, not delivered to the ratings board, then it wasn't really released for you know a theater. Yeah. Or DVD or anything like that. Maybe so, one of those almost straight to video kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, it is listed yeah. as theatrical, so I'm going to assume that it actually hit the theaters at some point. Maybe just not a lot of them. Um, but I seem to remember that probably about this time, there was a good chunk of movies that were released not rated. And that was actually the draw because we're not going before the board. We're, we're doing it not rated. You're getting everything raw and uncut and whatever. Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole bit with that and it just died. Thankfully. Yeah. Unlike the bad guys in this movie. Yeah. Well, apparently not. Well, let, let's. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That didn't work. No, no, it really didn't. But that's okay. That's okay. So, let's start with the basics. Um, neither of us has seen the film. I have also not read the source material. Uh, this is one of those that I'm completely blind on. It looks like it could be a lot of fun in the comic. I'd like IDW. They're generally a fun publisher, and uh, it looks like it has a lot of a lot of uh, potential upside. But once you look at the actual list of everybody that is involved with the project, uh, the director, Colin Thais, um, I don't recognize much of anything that he's been involved with as a director. So I, I couldn't tell you if he has a strong history or not, uh, uh, or if it, or even maybe a more fair way of saying it, if, if the type of film that he would have created would have landed well with me. Um, if, if, yes, I'm trying to, gosh, these look like some interesting selection of movies that he's directed. Right. Uh, <laughs> they no are. one's ever heard of. Okay. And they must've just all gone straight to, I, I see a lot of them on chiller. Chiller is a, isn't a, it's like a cable yeah. or themed station basically. Sure. So it seems like a movie that just went straight to that station and well, a lot of the other ones he did too yeah a lot of tv movies um so yep. it's just just that kind of thing and the the cast on this is um a handful of people uh that you would probably recognize nobody that just immediately at least for me that just jumps out for the most part the the one actor that does would be lance reddick um Yep, that's he's. I was thinking too. He's real recognizable. If you've seen uh, movies in the last ten years, uh, twenty years, 
Uh, he has been in uh, a good number of them. He has a good stage presence. Uh, he, he was even in Jonah Hex, um, which we just talked about in the previous set of uh, comic book movies. So this isn't even his only um, turn in, in terms of a comic film. But everybody else, um, you know, just Tawny Cypress, again, very, very uh, recognizable. She's been in a few really fun things here and there. But, uh, yeah, that, I don't really see too many other people that just immediately go, wow, I, I, I love that actor or actress. I got to go see that. It's just kind of, eh. <laughs> Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, we tend to we tend to quote that one quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> because we yeah. just don't have a lot to say about some of these. Uh, every every year, there seems to be some movie like that, or two movies like that. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's move on from the things that we know nothing about, uh, and move on to something that at least one of us knows something about. Um, in the same year, in 2011, the movie Priest came out, based on the same comic book, same name. Uh, Tokyo Pop was the publisher. Um, uh, Young Min Woo uh, created the uh, graphic novel. Um, uh, that one I have, I have had a chance to actually see the source material, which was re stylistically really neat. Uh, I liked it a lot, um, but I have not seen the movie, and I don't see how I haven't, because this film, where I didn't really recognize the people on the other one, uh, I cannot say that on this. This has just a heck uh, of a cast. Um, it's just kind of crazy. But you saw it. What did you? What did you think? As I assume, it's been a little while. It's. I, I think. I've, I want to say I've seen it a couple times too. Once when it was in the theater. Um, was it in the theater? I can't remember. If it was in the, and then more recently when it's been on something that was uh, streaming. So it's. What I remember of it initially uh, was like the anticipation was like, I, that movie doesn't look bad. But this was an, an, an interesting one in the sense that it was vampires, but like not your typical vampire type thing. And it was a little bit different. And you had interesting cast members. And it was more action-oriented. So, it, it, and... and the 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 way that the, the world was constructed was still modern but not so it was an interesting mix of both i guess you could say and i, I it's not something that oh my gosh i got i watch that movie all the time no it's not like that but it is a fun watch <laughs> well when you look at it it seems to get a little bit of a mixed review from a lot of people it seems to be about in the in the 60 percentile range in terms of how people react to it uh, but it seems kind of strange because, I mean, you look at it, you got, got Paul Bettany in it, who is, you know, obviously riding the wave of being the vision in the current MCU. Uh, but, I mean, he's been just in a ton of stuff, and he's generally solid. And, of course, one of our favorites, Carl Urban, I mean, it's hard for him to touch something and just not be excellent in it. But they are... They're by far not the only people that are involved in this film that just have kind of a, a, a massive history. I mean, you got Christopher Plummer in the film, man. Brad Dourif. That's the big one. And 
and I'm a, I, I guess I've, I've watched, I've had HBO in some form or fashion for the most part for quite some time. You know, I watched the Sopranos a lot, but one of the shows I watched a lot was true blood yeah. and Stephen Moyer was the main character in that one. So I, I enjoy seeing him in this because you don't you don't really see him in a lot of other things necessarily no uh but yeah uh, those kind of two stood out to me and when i when i think of paul bettany I, I guess i don't think of him in a certain sense as like a a lead character yes but like a lead in an like quote, a drama action movie yeah 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 exactly so he doesn't necessarily fit the typical mold that you'd see from this but I didn't really think he underperformed. Let's let's say, you know, I, I thought he was fine in this one. No, well, I mean, you got Maggie Q in it. She's got a lot of action chops. I mean, she was in the Nikita television show, uh, did the lead on that. Uh, she took a turn on that Fantasy Island reimagining that came out came out uh, uh, last year, and I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, that film pretty well. I mean, she does the voice for Wonder Woman on the Young Justice television series. Uh, I mean, so she's got some comic comic um, connections on that. She's been in a yep. lot of really interesting stuff, and she's generally pretty awesome uh, in, in everything that you see. Um, like I said, yeah, this, Maggie Keaton's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, this cast is is pretty is pretty killer. Um, this is one of those that I, I, I intended to watch and just never quite got to, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's worth sitting down for an hour and a half to, to watch it with a, a movie that for most folks you would say it doesn't have, you know, like high expectations, yeah. but just fulfills kind of that, that little niche of fun action type thing. It's at least Perfect. as good as uh, Wonder Woman 1984, right? <laughs> 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 well, it may be better. Um, that's. Uh, I figured I'd I'd touch the raw nerve again. <laughs> well, okay. So one of the things they added, and I haven't watched it yet. So on January first, they uh, HBO Max added a lot of content, a lot of DC content, and one of the things they added in there was Wonder Woman Bloodlines. And that movie just came out this past year, the, an animated feature, which it says in the description, the origin of Wonder Woman. I'm like, oh, OK, this is probably way better than that movie. So I'm <laughs> looking forward to seeing a good origin style movie for Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, that is the one thing. All right. Now, before we get into the bread and butter in 2011, uh, we're going to get to the appetizer of the bread and butter. As we talked about uh, for us, the the kind of big thing was this was the um, next uh, tantalizing phase of the drop of MCU uh, movies. So we had already managed to get the first and second Iron Man films were released before this. The Hulk had been released already, and then comes the, uh, the the continuation before we get to the the big culmination that everybody got super excited for when it happened. Uh, but one of the things that accompanied the films were little short films that they created. And you would usually find those on the DVDs or Blu-rays that accompany the film uh, because they, they wouldn't be seen uh, in pretty much any other way. Sometimes you're lucky enough to find them online. Uh, but uh, 
both of them were a lot of fun. They, they were called Marvel One-Shots, and they released two different ones in 2011. Uh, one called The Consultant, and uh, one called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. And both of them really tie in very nicely to the existing storyline and help to kind of give a little flavor and flair and background to what became a very important secondary character within the MCU, right? Yeah, one of the, I guess you could say the fan favorites uh, was Agent Coulson. Right. And who had popped up, obviously, in the um, Iron Man movies and made his appearance felt quite strongly throughout the first set of movies strong enough that it spawned its own you know seven seven season eight season tv show yeah agents of shield that's crazy so it 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 was a i want to say a fan favorite character because it's not like he was there the whole time and and shoot he even showed up later on in captain marvel too so he's the I, I would say a very prominent character, a very recognizable character, and a very important character from the MCU. Yeah, definitely. And and including these, uh, some people may not um, say, hey, those aren't really movies. Uh, well, to, to kind of put it in perspective, the very first movies that were released uh, were about a minute long. <laughs> so these are four times longer than those movies were. And, and while they didn't chew up a lot of time on screen, what they did give was just kind of flavor. I mean, the consultant was just a conversation between Coulson and Sitwell and talking about how they're going to handle uh, a very annoying and surly individual. And it, and it just is, it kind of gives context to an after credit scene that had already been released. So it was, it was really mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, and then on the other side, the thing that's super important, uh, you see Coulson as basically almost like a glorified, not secretary or assistant, but he doesn't seem like he is the man that is going to lead or uh, kick you in the teeth <laughs> or anything like that. He is just kind of the, the man that orchestrates and gets things done from point A to point B. And with the funny thing happening on the way to Thor's hammer, getting to see him take care of just a standard uh, gas station robbery where he just (laughs) owns those two guys in that short period. That is such a really fun way to get to know the character and how he reacts in uh, special sets of circumstances and that he does indeed have a lot more skills then it looks like he does, and he's a bigger threat than he appears. So it's just really, really fun the way that they did that. Yep, and it's not, it was a, you know, those little one-shots are sneaky, I feel like just, you know, sneaky little ways to give a little story that doesn't necessarily fit into the movie, but can fit into a subplot. Yeah, and it's and you you have to have just really really strong connection to the character and great charisma to pull that off and um and the the individuals involved in those short uh pieces definitely had that um but that's still just the appetizer let's move into one of the main course because 
this will easily take us these two movies <laughs> I'm talking about for the rest of this particular episode because I know we probably have plenty to say about both of these. Some of which we may have even said in other episodes already. So forgive yeah. us if we uh, uh, repeat ourselves, but we just happen to come across it at this point. Let's start chronologically in terms of the MCU. We've got Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, this was a, this was really kind of a, not, I don't, I don't want to say divisive movie because it wasn't, but people, some people did not react to this one quite as strongly as some of the other MCU films. It felt like they didn't quite know what to make of it when it came out. Yeah. And I got that impression too, where I've never, so I've never been a real huge Captain America fan, right? I don't dislike the character at all. It's just, it's never been a character that really drew a strong interest level for me. But I was excited for this movie to come out. And when it did come out, I thought the movie was great. It Was it the most amazing movie of all time? No, but it's like one of the few... One of the first in the lineup of the what we currently know as the, the MCU movies, right? So we, yeah. it's not like, it's not like we're in some well-established setup and we're ten movies deep, and then this movie comes out. This is one of the movies that kind of established a, a, a character, right? We yes. know the classic storyline of the character, uh, but maybe people were taken back by the fact that it was quote, a period piece, right? Because this wasn't set in the modern age. Um, that it kind of developed, it, it threw in the character of the Red Skull, which is a awesome bad guy to have in there. Yeah. Uh, portrayed really well, I felt, as well, too. But then, that like, it was just a one... It, after you watch this, you're like, okay, so that's the character and the bad guy's gone. And now, okay. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can see where it left maybe a bad taste in people's mouth or it didn't have that action that maybe they were expecting because he doesn't do anything except, like, you know, throw a shield. and. There's a lot of montages. Uh, a lot yeah, of montages, so... not a lot of direct action. Yeah, so I, I get why people might have a different reaction to it, but I thought it was a great movie. Well, and I, I think there's some reasoning behind this. Uh, so the director, Joe Johnston, um, he's he's done quite a bit before him. He's done The Rocketeer, Jumanji, the original one, for all of you young people that <laughs> have only seen the ones that have come out with Jack Black and The Rock. Um, but uh, he was on the third Jurassic Park film, um, so he's he, he's had quite a few films that have had some uh, critical and commercial success. And it just feels like the direction they took this. He's done period films. I mean, The Rocketeer was period, to be sure. And thinking about when this film took place in, in terms of history, it's a dark time. So he's introducing, and, and just like the comics did, introducing the Captain America character during a point at which people were killing each other in large, large numbers. And if you are on the battlefield, you're going to be killing some people if you're in war. So what do you do when you want to have a shiny character that you want to have kind of that, that feeling of hope and that feeling of um, 
doing the right thing. You don't want him covered in blood, visibly, in the first movie. That I think maybe that was, that was the impression that I got. Keep him, keep him away from that stuff. No, don't have him leading the Howling Commandos uh, alongside uh, uh, a Nick Fury that <laughs> looks like a Hasselhoff <laughs> instead of uh, instead of how we uh, how we know him now. But uh, let's let's keep him still kind of uh, shiny and 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 clean. And you don't associate in a certain sense. You don't associate these characters as uh, killing people. No. Right. You, not saying that they don't, but you don't associate them with that. You know, he throws a shield and he hits people and he knocks them out and whatever. But there's clearly during their little cutscenes of him storming all the castles and stuff and actually leading the howling commandos to an, he busts open the door and he's got a shield but he's got a gun and he's sitting there just like blasting fools with the gun but like you don't see the other side of it you right. just see him with the pistol shooting whatever and you don't know what he's shooting at or any of any of the result from it but when you do you 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 kind of almost glance over it gloss over it because that scene is so short-lived right so yeah the focus isn't on him you know going through and mowing people down which is your traditional action movie so um you know with the iron man movies there's flashiness and there's the suit and he's flying around and the suit goes on and it goes off and there's hand pulse beams and there's rockets that come from the arm but with captain america once again it's just like well, he's strong. Um, <laughs> he's got a shield. And... He's tactically, tactically brilliant. That's one of his big things. Is he is he is the he is the battlefield leader, and he understands what people can do and can put them in the right places so that you can succeed. That's that's how he's always been in the comics, anyway. And that's. That's not an exciting movie. No, not particularly. So I get it. I get why people don't like that. But in now you would be more of a more knowledgeable than I would. But in terms of its relationship to the source material, there were a lot of elements that seemed to be taken taken pretty well from the source material. Yeah, no, they, they, they stayed fairly true. At the very least, they stayed true to the intent, if not to the... Um, the original comics. Now, like any other comic, there have been some reinterpretations over the years, some slight changes here and there. Um, universes reset much more frequently than I would like. Um, so depending upon whether you're talking about the Captain America from the the origins of comics or whether you're talking about the one from the Ultimates line or whether you're talking about the new polished version uh there's 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 uh, some commonality, but uh, the big thing is, yeah, I, I, they they kept it basically the same. I would have liked to see the Howling Commandos continue because they actually have uh, a, a connection to Nick Fury. I wanted so bad to see a Samuel Jackson cameo in this film where he's just like a guy out in the out in the trenches <laughs> in World War Two. He just goes by the front of the screen going off 
to do his part and you don't talk to him. Um, but so yeah, when, 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 when it was in full propaganda mode, I mean, you had, you had those uh, Captain America and the commandos associating with each other. Now they obviously had to change things a little bit in terms of how, um, Bucky met his fate. Um, the, you know, he fell from a train in, in the movie where it was, uh, had to do with a, uh, a plane, if I'm remembering correctly, in the comic Plane or rocket. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, but they also changed other things like the really awful outfit the Bucky wore in the comics. They didn't, they didn't put him in, thankfully. So, I mean, it's, it's all good stuff. Um, now, talking about uh, some of the other things, just something that occurred to me. We we're talking about how how they they wanted to to downplay uh, Cap potentially killing people. Now, part of it was the, the what you're talking about. You don't see what he's doing, but also part of it is he's present, and it's all the other guys that are that are shooting uh, the Nazis and and uh, the Red Skull's minions. And it's usually he's he's just still just punching people and knocking people out for the most part. Or it's the funny physics in a comic book movie. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, I think, uh, with Iron Man 2. When there's that, that scene on the racetrack where uh, Tony's car just flips about 300,000 times before he's uh, confronted by the villain with his whips. Uh, well, all of the other cars also flip a bunch. So if he didn't die, well, they probably didn't either. And similar kind of weird physics happen with this, where there's some stuff where somebody should die if X things happen to them. But because they don't happen to the good guys, they generally don't happen to the bad guys either. It's kind of a, a, a property that's shared. So for the most part, Cap's not really killing people. He's just hitting them really, really, really hard so that they don't get back up. But he still gets uh, he still gets a few. I mean, he stabs a dude <laughs> in this film, so he's, he's still got some kills. There's almost 120 kills that I counted up in the first Avenger. So uh, plenty, of, uh, plenty of blood and guts to go around. But when there was something that was uh, shot... They were shot with a weapon that just disintegrated them to dust. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of bloody deaths. Um, let's see. Where, where else did Cap do something? He knocked a guy over a, a railing at one point in the factory, and there's no way that dude survived that fall. Um, <laughs> and like when he's in the plane later and he knocks the dude outside the, the plane, he didn't have a parachute. So uh, True. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely falling to his death, but it's bloodless because we don't have to see it. We know he's going to die, but uh, we don't we don't get the end product. Um, I, I guess we should probably move on behind uh, past the more morbid side of things. But the casting in this film, who would have thought that the person that they would bring in to be Captain America would be Chris Evans? The ultimate comic book movie star yeah who's been in so many but i mean what people would still recognize him for was still a marvel property when you think comic books at this point because he had been johnny storm a couple times already yeah so was this 
something that they had seen in that and like yeah this would be a great idea or he was like i would like to audition and i think i'd be good at it you know uh, it's just interesting and and he became besides the you know obviously the tony stark iron man character the captain america i think those two became the face of the franchise you could say thor did too okay i, I guess but maybe not as strong as as this character became throughout the course of the movies. So obviously they did a good job with the casting and usually tend to do so. Yeah. You're no doubt about that. Uh, and then everybody else that they managed to put in, it was just such a great, uh, such a great pick as well. I mean, Haley Atwell just nailed Peggy Carter um, again, did so well that they ended up giving her uh, a television series uh, mm -hmm. because of it. Uh, Sebastian Stan, uh, if you would have asked me if I would have chosen him to be Bucky uh, and then eventually uh, Winter Soldier, uh, after what I had just watched him do in Once Upon a Time where he's the Mad Hatter, I said, no way. This dude could never pull that off. Wow, was I wrong. I mean, he just he just was just a fantastic choice and can had a great deal of depth. Uh, getting big names like Tommy Lee Jones in this, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is going to be Tommy Lee Jones in whatever film he plays, but <laughs> he does gruff very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, even if you look at uh, so Stanley Tucci, uh, having him – be in the movie as a prominent figure in the movie yeah so like it's it's not like they just you know samuel l jackson's an obvious one who just kind of snuck in there towards the end but he was set up for bigger things what i'm saying is like there's a lot there is a lot of high-end all-star cast talent in this movie yeah. that just and, and if you if you think about that high-end star quality cast but then you look at okay well uh, that's Chris Evans now. That's Hugo Weaving now. Like, that's all of those people, right. right? Like, elevated even... I mean, shoot, Hugo Weaving at the time was <laughs> an, an amazing big-time star. <laughs> yes, he was. Who who they got somehow to put this prosthetic on that I... I the prosthetic wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I mean, look at... Wait, would you... Okay, would you rather have the practical effect with that prosthetic or would you rather have bad CGI? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'd probably go with prosthetic. I'll go practical over CGI on something like, like that usually. But uh, without seeing the alternative, I, I, it would be hard to say. And it's yeah. not like they didn't have a good chunk of CGI in this film anyway. There is a ton of it. Uh, oh, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it's probably it's probably just as well. He he was not real happy about it. Uh, <laughs> but they also snuck in Neil McDonough, who I love to death. I mean, put that dude in anything, uh, and and I'm smiling. I mean, he's had uh, a great run on Legends of Tomorrow, and he's been in just tons of movies. And they usually like to make him the villain. But seeing him in the, the red <laughs> with the big bushy mustache, <laughs> the bowler caps, like, God, that's awesome. I so wanted him to continue on with the films. Not his first World War II uh, 
program either. No. So he's yeah, the you're right on the howling commandos thing. It would be nice to see that have evolved into another you know, short series. Didn't have to be some crazy movie or some two season long thing, but a nice maybe maybe the period piece thing was worn thin, who knows? Um in the Marvel universe, but it would have been a good six episode thing to see. Yeah. I, I would have enjoyed that. Or maybe even if they were going to have, uh, the, the Peggy, uh, Peggy Hill television show, I had a hope that he would show up in that, uh, because at least that way it's still the same time period and there can be some crossover and uh, Peggy, Peggy Hill. Yeah. Was Hank going to be there too? Peggy. Oh, God. I'm having one of those days. Aren't I? Uh, Peggy Carter. I thought it was funny. Either. <laughs> uh, my my brain has been sliding out my ears all day. I, I've tried to put some cork in to keep it going, but it hasn't. It's just not been working. Hey, <laughs> Bobby. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna uh, recover from that. Uh, now I'm gonna be seeing that stupid uh, that cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> this whole rest of the episode. No, focus, focus. But you got to see some excellent choreography uh, in, in the fights that you that you did have in terms of the hand-to-hand combat. That was nice. Um, it, was, it, was yeah. a, it, was, it was a kind of a glimpse of what's to come. Yeah, I, I felt that in terms of... I don't know if you're if you're thinking of cheesy. I never got cheesy out of anything on this movie. If you're thinking of like overacted or overdone, I never really got any of that out of this movie either. I, I felt like it was it. They knew what they wanted to get out of this movie, and they made it exactly exactly that. Yeah. Um, even okay. So you're you're talking about him as a propaganda machine earlier early on in the in the movie selling war bonds and stuff. And I know that's part of his history. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, but like that was a real thing. Yeah. Go and go and re- like they pulled, I, th- there's a going back to HBO. Uh, everybody knows about band of brothers, which is an amazing series, but the more recent one that came out was the Pacific and the Pacific is also really, really, really good. And they touched on that actually um, throughout that series because uh, one of the focuses uh, was a person that they brought back to the states, and they did him. They just sent him all across the United States, selling war bonds. Like that was part of what happened in that era. That's part of his character. That's part of what was delivered. And I know to people that watch the movie, maybe that was like, why is this in here? Or like, but that's part of. I feel like that's part of the development of the character, in general, but. Uh, I don't know. I just really liked the movie. I, I always felt it was one of the more enjoyable movies, even though it gets kind of, in terms of all these movies that are out, it gets knocked pretty low on the totem pole. But I thought it was a great way to kind of introduce a character and, and go from there. Oh, you're not kidding. It, it's, it flows well. Time passes really fast for me when I watch this film. It, it ends much more quickly than, I, than I'm... Uh, than I'm expecting each time it does it. And the thing that amazes me is, and we'll get to it, is that as much as I like this film, it's the weakest of the three. 
it, it just kept how many films do you start and then it keeps getting better as the series goes on it's yeah. pretty rare to get that starts good and and ends awesome um i i was i was just really really uh excited for this and i i, I think it uh lived up to my expectations and and if you watch this in 2011 you know you have in the course of the movie obviously it's developing the character but it's it's focus which is really underlying is the macguffin in the whole movie right yeah it's the 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 cube the but what people don't know or maybe people are thinking of or people are people are starting to get an idea of is that it's more than just that one one thing right because that one thing gets introduced and then kind of disappears yeah and gets re- like it's it's a touch it's it's a starting off point in a certain sense for the greater culmination that's going to happen way on down the line so even even that is an integral underrated part of this movie well, and, and that, that, is a, that is an interesting point to touch on in the fact that I remember having to explain what the Tesseract was uh, when this came out because, you know, my boys were not as into comics. I mean, they, they read some, but it wasn't a big thing. My wife, again, read some, but wasn't wasn't a big thing. And several friends that weren't completely familiar. And the uh, the people that make the movies take some liberties with the source material, but they always want to pay um, tribute to what things came from. So even when they change things, for the most part, it's it's for a good reason. And then they still have that touch of what was neat in there. So yeah, so by now we know it was one of the Infinity Stones. In the comics, it is not. Uh, the Tesseract is a completely different thing. Uh, the, but they can't go into the, the actual origins of the cosmic cubes and and the beyonders. That that would just be not what they were prepared for at that point. So uh, to have that kind of a plan, uh, if that was even the plan at the time in place, um, was was pretty impressive planning. Uh, I, I I wouldn't have thought that far ahead. I mean that's that's a pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty, uh, pretty tall order. Uh, pretty tall order. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it, um, if they did have that plan, kudos to you, Kevin yeah. Feige. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. The 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 number of meetings that I expect that had to have occurred <laughs> to put all of this in place. Yeah. Uh, we talk about conference calls, but geez, oh, Pete. Uh, well, let's let's end on a strong note. We've got one more MCU movie that came out in 2011, and that was Thor. Uh, came out in May. Now, this is the first Thor film that was released, so we'll talk about the origins. Uh, Thor first appeared in Journey into Mystery in 1962. This was a, uh, a Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, you know, collaboration where they took the uh, the Norse mythology and altered it significantly <laughs> so it could be a, be a fun comic. Um, and the thing that really got me about this film was having Kenneth Branagh do the directing on it was to me such a smart move for those 
comic book fans out there because if there's anything that Brown is known for, it's a Shakespearean um, history and approach to things. And if you ever read the yeah. old Thor stuff, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, him beating people up with a large hammer, but <laughs> it was a lot of Shakespeare too. Um, so it was that that got me excited when I found out about that. That was just crazy. Yeah, I you know when when you think about him as a um, as an actor, I think that's the, that's the first thing is that do people really generally consider him a great director or a director because Marvel, Marvel films have actually taken recently, especially directors who have not a lot of experience or exposure and they'll put them in the, in the movies. They usually turn out pretty well. Yeah. So, and, and maybe it's just, a, I, I have the wrong perception, but I think up until then he had definitely directed plenty of projects. Oh yeah. He didn't, I don't think you considered him, you considered him more of an actor than you considered him a director. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Mm, Well, kind of. I mean, uh, he did, uh, again, a lot of Shakespeare. Henry V, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, Hamlet, um, As You Like It, that sort of stuff up until that point. So he had done quite a bit of directing of Shakespeare. Uh, uh, But he had other stuff, too. I mean, he did uh, Frankenstein in 1994, um, uh, dead again in '91, which is a classic. The the scissors, these <laughs> are for you. <laughs> I I I quote that a lot, and it's such it's such an oddball one off reference that nobody <laughs> nobody ever gets it or understands it. <laughs> And it's so funny to me because me and my friends, we watched that movie and we, I don't know, we rewound that part like a thousand times because we thought it was so funny. Just the, the accent and I don't know. Anyway, continue with Shakespeare. Yes. No, 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 no. There wasn't a whole lot more than that. I mean, that's, that's the thing. So if you're going to get somebody, you're wanting to bring in Thor in a way that will resonate as Grant. Uh, we're, we're, this is already the, what, fourth movie in the MCU, but not the fourth comic book movie ever made. There have been tons of comic book movies made, and a lot of the characters that have been introduced up until this point have sometimes godlike level of powers. Uh, you've got, you know, the old Superman films with uh, Christopher Reeves, and those a little cheesy. I mean, it's Superman. He can fly around the world and make the rotation of the planet change because, you know, that's how physics works. Uh, but, you know. That's, how, that's what turns back time. Too. That's right. Like uh, <laughs> but, you know, just the people with a lot of power. But at this point, you want to bring out this character that, again, has this massive amount of power but also the stature and this history and he should be inspiring a certain amount of awe and when you've got the, you've got a jaded crowd by this point that have just seen tons of films what do you do to create that it's all ambiance at that point it's all pomp and circumstance and armor and 
just the, the, the warmth of the lighting, every little detail was there to create the feeling that this was something special. And that, for me, really came through. And that's, that's who you get to kind of create that, at least not, not necessarily on the, uh, the, the production side, but in terms of the interaction and the presentation of behavior between the actors involved, that's Brana. And the name of some of the characters, the Warriors Three. <laughs> I mean, how more pomp and circumstance do you have to get with just that name? Yeah, well, and but, they're fun. And we mentioned this before when we did our original review of the third Thor movie, Ragnarok. Yeah. Where they basically just took those characters and said, eh, get out of here. You know, like they were not like, why? Though that's a fun group to have. They're great. With a, a great, a great set of actors that portrayed them too. Yeah. yeah. Although one did change, I feel like after. Yeah. Well, episodes. you know how I talked to you about how I would not have predicted that Sebastian Stan from watching Once Upon a Time would have gone to become the Winter Soldier. Well, the actor that changed from the Warriors Three. Within Once Upon a Time. <laughs> so he went to continue with that show. That's true. Uh, Josh Dallas, yes. Yeah. He's very familiar. But, uh, and, and again, just another group of actors that are either already just huge uh, or they just were on the cusp of becoming that way. I mean, Natalie, Natalie Portman already had some juice. At this point, she she had been successful and had done very well, and I'd enjoyed her stuff. Anthony Hopkins, if you want somebody that has that kind of presence, I mean, there's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, you can't do much better than that. Stellan Skarsgård, uh, I love that dude. He can he can be the friendliest guy in the world, or he can creep you out. <laughs> He's yes. so, so good at it. Uh but I mean, some that you know, uh, you know, Idris Elba had had already had some some fun stuff up until this point. Oh, yeah. um, Renee Russo obviously already had quite a bit up until this point. But I mean, bringing in Chris Hemsworth was not big at this point, um, and neither was Tom Hiddleston uh, or really Kat Dennings. Um, all of their careers just kind of started to really rocket after this film. Yep. Um, so Ray uh, Ray Stevenson is obviously he's in this one too. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I I always for some reason been referencing HBO movies. He was in uh, he was in Rome. Yeah. Uh, which which lasted two seasons. That's where I was introduced into Ray Stevenson. I thought he was awesome in Rome. Oh yeah. And he's great in this one. You don't you don't really recognize him in this one either. But he is in this one. He's he's actually uh, he's the Punisher in another Punisher movie also. Yeah, Warzone. So back in two thousand eight. So he he's, he does a lot of cool things. I I like him. He's um. I mean, he's once por- again, I don't I don't por- think you recognize him when you see right. him because of his the beard, the so. beard and the big body suit. But uh, yeah, he's yep. por- Porthos in uh, Three Musketeers. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean just. So, so killer cast, 
and just a fantastic the cgi in this that was something that i wanted to touch on it could have i mean we talked about green lantern um in the last half um and how the cgi in that was really not overly well received because there had to be so much of it and it was so obvious and it's just the the whatever they did it just didn't work well there had to be that much in this too maybe not as neon as green lantern <laughs> but true you've got the destroyer armor and the the rainbow bridge and all the shots of asgard from a distance yeah. and all that stuff is super cgi uh thor's hammer i mean all all of it <clears throat> but they and pulled you're off. right it it could have gone downhill very quickly but i feel like it it didn't detract from the movie no which i guess there's three levels of cgi right where you don't notice it or you do notice it but when you do notice it either it's really bad or it's just like crazy good right yeah and i feel like in this one you just for the for the backgrounds for a lot of the stuff you just didn't notice it like because it was good like you know what i'm saying like it, it just didn't didn't detract from the movie at all and the destroyer armor you're it could have been a little bad. better yeah it could have been really bad it was it yeah. was a little cheesy but that's okay yeah yeah it it served its purpose yeah um but yeah that i had a matrix flashback where uh where they're talking about programs when they're doing what they're doing, they're invisible. You don't notice them. <laughs> it's all the Something stories. Like yeah, sorry, I just had just had that that moment where the, the again the brain escapes and starts thinking Deja about me? other things. So uh, you you also got a sneaky little reference in here. They called him the Hawk. Right? Yeah. Um, oh, I was the only one in the theater that yelled at that. Positive yell or negative? Yeah, yell? I was super excited. That's my favorite Avenger. Now, I'm talking about comics, not MCU. But from the comics, Hawkeye is my guy. Uh, I had a run of West Coast Avengers because I liked him as a leader and as a character. And he was kind of snarky, but not too snarky. And again, no powers, just really good with a bow and arrow and can hit whatever he wants to hit. And has some gadgets here and there. And so he's always surrounded by people that are a lot more powerful than him. And he doesn't have the Captain America thing where he's inspiring everybody. And he's not the tactical genius. But he has what it takes to just kind of get through <laughs> and, and win and make things happen. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I can get behind. So seeing Renner in that reach for the gun and then grab the bow and said, it's like, ah. Oh, I was I was hyped on that one. So I yelped in a room full of people and everyone looked at me. Like it's just a dude, man. Like well, he's got a bow. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. Uh, so that that was it was it was nice to have that little ad in there too. Oh yeah. You're you're not kidding on that. That whole scene was actually really good. The the uh the funneling uh, so that he would have to take people on kind of one on one and in his human 
level of capabilities, but still show that even without all the power, he's still hundreds of years old and has plenty of experience to just beat the living snot out of you. Um, that was that was great. The the interaction that was the other thing. A lot of the key to much of what works in the MCU in my mind, anyway, is about relationships, and specifically the relationship between Loki and Thor. And they had to create a villain that had layers and had purpose and that you just still liked, even though you're not supposed to to root for the bad guy, you like the guy. And they did that. And man, did they need to do that because what happened in all of the other MCU films up until this point? The first Iron Man, bad guy dead. Second Iron Man, bad guy dead. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, bad guy taken off to a facility that you never hear from again. And the bad guy that's hinted at, you never hear from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Captain America, bad guy we thought dead. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, and the, I think the the thing that really took this over the top, though, going back to what we mentioned before, is they know how to pick the right people, and boy, did they pick the right person. Oh yeah, he did such a great job with that. Um, and the the, the bit where he snuck into they snuck him into Comic Con in full costume to address the crowd. The reaction that he got when <clears throat> when he did that was just insane, and uh, it's great, and it's and it's that balance. So you got that seriousness that they're able to do with all these characters and this this solid character uh, development and the interaction, and then you still have some fun. That's the one thing that the MCU has managed to do, and has made them successful where the DC films have just failed for the most part, not completely. And that's the introduction of humor at the right level, at the right points. I mean, Kat Dennings gives you that little bit of fun at the edges. I still giggle every time when the the, the hammer comes by and it's, it's Mew Mew. <laughs> it's just a small thing, but it's so much fun. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's just well done. And if you watch, you know, in in terms of how Thor presents himself or speaks, maybe it's like this in the comic books, I don't know. But in other TV shows, primarily the cartoons that I have seen, Avengers cartoons that they have, he's got that over-the-top speech pattern. Have at thee, you know, mm-hmm. and... They completely avoided that over-the-top speech right. pattern in this. They needed to, which obviously was which is which they needed to, but they didn't just make him, you know, Joe American either. No, right. No, so no. they they delivered, I think, for the character just the right amount of non-traditional quote. English for kind whatever of, our the English version of right the kind of an upper class delivery of the language. Yep, and obviously he's um, Australian, 
-hmm. So you get you get a, a speech pattern that's natural to him, even though he has to alter, obviously, a little bit. But, he, but what I'm saying is it comes off as not forced. Right. It comes off as clean and as it should be. It seems as though that's how it should be presented throughout this movie and the, and the future movies, too. Yeah. So, all in all, this was a, a pretty good year for comic book movies and especially mm -hmm. for MCU it created a ramp leading into um leading into the Avengers that was pretty good. Originally I was going to do Thor first and keep it kind of uh <laughs> kind of uh uh chronological but I liked I liked Thor better than I liked Captain America so I switched it up a little bit. because uh, the the end of Cap just runs right into basically the Avengers film that comes out next year. Uh, not well in 2012, I should say the year after <laughs> yeah. this. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, this was, I had, I had so much fun in the theaters and I saw all of the MCU stuff in the theaters and I saw most of the, the other stuff that I had, had seen in the theaters as well. And it was just, this was a, an exciting period. Yep. This was, you know, this was a time where I had I hadn't me I hadn't worked in movie theaters in quite some time, and in that time frame, I what I did I went to everything because I could. I mean, it didn't cost me anything. I didn't have kids. I could pretty much go and do whatever I want whenever I wanted to. Oh, it's eleven o'clock at night. Uh, I'm gonna go to the theater. I'm gonna watch this movie by myself because I could do that. And I. I Later on, when I actually had to pay my 10 bucks to go watch a movie, I still definitely tried to pay attention and go to all of these types of movies, even when we weren't doing a podcast or something like that, because I generally enjoyed and wanted to see them and wanted to see the success and wanted to see them be good. Right. And have, have done so ever since. Yeah. But that's what we think. What do you think, dear listeners? You, of course, can let us know. We're almost always on Twitter at Real Pudding Guys, and we are fairly regularly on Instagram at Pudding Guys, uh, Facebook, the same at Pudding Guys. And we're even also on, um, what's that other thing that we're on? Oh, yeah, Patreon, where for just $1 per month, you can help support the Pudding Guys as we bring you new people to talk to new things to talk into, uh, you know, just the all in all, just make things better. And I'll tell you what, we have some very interesting prospects for interview coming up uh, in the next few, uh, few weeks. Uh, we've got some, we've got some, I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but I've got, uh, I got some, some people that I'm fairly excited to, to, to speak to and to bring to you because there's so many cool things that are going on, but also, uh, we're getting so close. I know I keep saying this. It, they're going to they're gonna do, people are going to bust my chops about this, having said this for, what, a year now? We're so close to this other thing being finished. But uh, we're making progress. And I'm thinking sooner rather than later, we're going to have an episode just dedicated to this neat new thing that we're about to bring to you. And I think that you will be as excited about it as I am. But until next time, Keep listening, dear patrons. Keep listening, dear listeners. Keep listening, people that haven't listened to us yet and are going to come into this like three or four years later. 
<laughs> we, we love having you uh, and stay safe out there. <laughs>